Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. To get us started on the talk, I'm going to show a picture. This is not actually my neighbor's garden, but every stinking year their garden looks that good. It is, it is really incredible now you're thinking, no, it doesn't. It really does. Uh, and we drive by it, and m- most years I think, how in the world? Because it just thrives, and all kinds of plants, and there are no weeds, and just all this thing. So that's a picture representing what our neighbor's garden usually looks like. Here's a picture of our garden. That's actually, that is actually the place in our yard where we used to have a garden, and we gave up. We, you know, we would have some success with some different things, but never, ever did it look like the neighbor's garden. So ultimately, I don't know, three or four or five years ago, we're like, oh, we're done. So I'll use that to introduce a question. Why do some gardens thrive while others die? Why do some gardens thrive while others die? And just to bring a little clarity... Our neighbor's garden is only about 150 yards from our garden. So it's getting the same sun. Like they don't have a unique sun, a special sun that makes their stuff, right? It's basically the same soil type. I'm sure they must be doing something. But like it's like our ground at the core is the same kind of ground that they have. They don't have a different weather pattern. They're not getting unique fertilome rain or whatever that stuff's called. From the, is that even a thing? Fertilome? Did I just make that up? Somebody talk to me. I made that up? Is fertilome a thing? What's other true green? No, what's, what's the little stuff you put in plants to help it grow? Miracle, yeah, they don't have miracle grow rain. But still, you know, so the question is, so, but there's got to be something different why that garden looks so great and ours, we don't even have it anymore. Just a side note in this, God is kind of into gardens that thrive. In creation, he put mankind in the Garden of Eden and had just incredible variety and uh, all kinds of fruit there. It, It says of his creation, everything was good, except for there was the one bad tree. In the book of Exodus, God is trying to take his people from a place of slavery into what's called the promised land. You may have heard of the promised land. And part of the description of the promised land includes some really uh, wonderful fruits and veggies, apparently. There's a description. And by the way, that land is where God wanted his people to be. And so he sends some spies in to check out the land before they're going to try to take all the people into the land. And this is just a little side note. It said, while they were in there, the spies, it says, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. It must have been one big honking cluster because two of them carried it on a pole between them. Now, I've I think I've seen some pretty big bags of grapes at the Meyer grocery store, right? You go, well, that's a lot of grapes. But never one time did I feel like I needed to invite a friend and bring a pole to carry the grapes. And I know I'm probably exaggerating, but it must have been some 
It must have been a nice branch of grapes. The Bible talks about fruitfulness, the concept of fruitfulness over a hundred times. So it's a thing for God. He, he, he desires, wants us to experience fruitfulness. By the way, the whole talk is not about fruits and vegetables. Okay, we're, it, What we're going to apply this to is areas of our life. I think it's safe to say that we can compare virtually all of our areas of life to a garden. So you've got a financial garden. How's it looking? Can even, you know, it's either can thrive or not. Relationships, a relational garden can go well and be fruitful, or it can be really dried and cracked and cranky and not so well. Financial, relational, physical, spiritual, our spiritual lives, it's a garden. I might be able to communicate this. And at the core of all those, most of us all have access to the same thing. Like if you think of relationships, relationships, we're all we're all in the same pool of humanity. It's not like the, does that make sense? Like, well, kind of have access to the same giant pool of humanity. Financially, we're all living in the same economy. Not that there's some, but you know, we're spiritually. We all have access to the same God through Jesus Christ. So what makes one garden thrive and another one die? So hold that thought. We're in this series called Kingdom Stories. And today we're going to look at the parable of the sower. Uh, you could call this parable also the parable of the gardener or the garden. You could call it the parable of the seeds. And I'm not going to give you much background because basically Jesus is teaching. He's starting to teach a lot. And this is one of his first parables that he used to teach people about the kingdom of God. So we'll start in verse 3. It's talking about Jesus. It says, he told them many things in parables saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Pause for just a minute. Just so we know that this parable of the sower it would be different than like the parable of the present day farmer. Present day farmers have big equipment and the seed actually gets punched into the ground in very organized rows. Biblical times when he's telling this story, that's why the farmer goes out to sow his seed. He's not planting it in rows. He's just, uh, basically there could be some soil preparation, but the planting part is just, it's just throwing it out. That's why some of the seed falls here and some of falls here, okay? So it's, it's like a, I just thought I'd interject a little noise in there for you. All right. So some falls on a path, the birds come, some fall in the shallow, some falls in the shallow soil, springs up quickly, but the sun comes up and dries it out. Other seed fell among thorns, verse 7, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred 60 or 30 times what was sown. He who has ears, let 
them here. And this is unique to this parable. Most parables, I think it's most, many parables Jesus does not interpret. He just tells the story. But this parable, he gives us an interpretation. So if you go to verse 18, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When everyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. That's the neighbor's garden. And that's the garden I want to be. And my guess is for all of us, if you think of different areas of your life, that's the garden you want. Now, so the, the, the title of the talk is just Spiritual Growth, Parable of the Sower. And before I give you three characteristics of the seed that thrives, will you, will you do a mental process here? Will you pause and think of an area of your life that you would like to see it thrive? And I would encourage you, if you would, will you include God in that conversation? So don't just think, oh, well, I want this. But is there an area that God seems to be putting his uh, finger on attention, and he seems to be throwing this opportunity, this is the thing that God is doing in your life. And if you can think of something like that, will you just wave at me when you start to have, oh, yeah, this is an area in my life. Because I don't want to move on too quickly. You got something in the back? Anybody? Anybody can you think of? Ah, this, like for me, there's, for me, uh, the first thing that came to my mind was courage. I've been working on courage for the last six weeks. It's just like God was, you know, and saying, I, I want some, I want to plant more courage in your life. I was talking to some of the staff about this topic. One of them said, uh, I want to be a better father. Another one said, I need to resist being apathetic. Another one said, I need to abide in God. So those are some ideas. It could be physical, financial, relational stuff. Do you have something? This stuff that we're going to talk about will make a huge difference in the development of those areas. So let me pray. Father, help us. Talk to us. Make some of the seeds that you're even going to sow today stick to us so that it'll grow. I just wouldn't. It be, I just think it would be great, Father, if in three weeks or three months or three years we would look back and there would be this lush area of our life, and uh, part of it would be connected to the truths that we're looking at today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Three things. Some of you are freaking out because I never try to do three points in one service. Three things. Did anybody notice that? 
Three points. All right. Yeah, you're worried. We're going to be here all day. No, we're not. Three points. So here we go. First idea is this. The seed that thrives survives early attacks. Early attacks. Verse 4, this is the seed uh, that falls along the path. And ready? The birds came and ate it up. This seed just doesn't last very long. What we're going to do for just a moment is talk about and emphasize spiritual urgency to begin engaging in whatever God is inviting you to do right away. Dig in right away. So I was picking, I was, I was considering what would it like to, what would it be like to be a seed, right? That was this being scattered. You ever just imagine you're like an inanimate, an object? And so I was thinking, oh, if I was a seed, and I was just got tossed out onto the ground, right? So this is my seed pose, right? So just lay it. But wouldn't it be weird if you actually had a seed brain and you were like thrown out there and you would land on the ground and right and then you're there like, oh, wow, I'm here on the seed. And then, right, of course, here's what would happen. Here come the birds. What would you do as a seed? Oh, no, this is so, right, you would try to move, but you have no legs, so you would just lay there. It would be horrible. Don't you get this picture? You're not getting it. What is it, my pose? What do you want? I don't know, what do you want? But if you're a seed... Am I right? If you're a seed, and then here comes the bird, you're thinking, oh, this is bad. And no matter what, you would have some urgency for something to happen. I'd be like, somebody cover me up. Somebody cover me up. Be quiet. Whatever you're going to do. But you've got to do something, or your life is over. And that sense of urgency should be with us when God creates it. Did you like that? Creates this. and Yeah, amen. Anyway, creates. We will do better when God is active in our life, to not wait around and think, oh, that's okay, this, everything's going to be fine, because there really is a sense of danger in not engaging really quickly. Here's a fill in the blank if you want to write something down. The most vulnerable time in a spiritual opportunity is now. Especially if it's an initiative, a new thing, it's, it's like now. You can't just lay there on the surface or that opportunity will get snatched away. Most of the kingdom of God, most, I think most of the spiritual opportunities that we have in our life have, have urgency with them. Not all of them, but most of them do. When Jesus invited people to follow him, at least according to the biblical record, they kind of decided that day. He'd walk up to somebody, and they were fishermen, and he would say, come and follow me. And they'd go, it wasn't, they didn't have to answer it that second. I don't think he, you know, drew a line with with a real critical view of, ready, I'm going to ask you a question, you have to answer me right now. But it was pretty much, come and follow me. Want to go? And a lot of them, within just a few moments, at least that afternoon or that day, they were like, I'm going to go do something. I've been doing a lot of Bible time in the Old Testament, and there's a story in 1 Kings 19. If you want to read the story, you can write down 1 Kings 19. There's a, a prophet named Elijah 
and a prophet who's going to be a prophet named Elisha. So the older guy, Elijah, Elisha is the young guy who's going to end up being the prophet. And Elijah invites him to come with him and basically become a prophet. I don't know if Elisha knew all that, but Elisha, the day he got invited, made some significant steps toward it. He, he gave up his occupation. He burned uh, his plowing equipment. He was a farmer by uh, occupation, slaughtered the uh, animals and had a big barbecue kind of thing. And, but it was all the same day. See, if he doesn't respond with something, by the way, he didn't become a prophet for, like a recognized prophet for years, but he did something that day. In Mark chapter 1, there's a man with leprosy, and he comes to Jesus, and he begs him on his knees. He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus does not say, I am willing. Next Tuesday, I have an opening on, in the afternoon. I'm going to be doing some healing stuff, so come back next Tuesday. It's, that's not how Jesus operated hardly ever. He had some plans and some certain things, but a lot of it was, what is God doing right now? And that's what he did. So to bring this into the room, the, the application is how eager am I to get started? Or be eager to get started. Think of the area of your life, the garden that you want to see it thrive. Get started. Do something today. Because if I don't get started, chances are that opportunity will change or I'll forget about it. Here's how it worked in my life this last week. Uh, I did okay on this. I felt an, uh, a prompting. I think it was God. I know a few police officers. We have some of them in the church. And I thought with all of the social unrest and all those things, there are multiple things that I felt like I should do personally. But in this moment, I thought I should call the police officers and just encourage them. If I could, just say, hey, praying for you because it's be kind of difficult to be a police officer, right? But here's the deal. If I don't do that pretty quickly, I'll forget I even thought about that the next day. So I didn't do it right away, but on my way home from the office, then I made the phone calls. And I, I'm just telling you, if I hadn't done it then, and then I was bringing it up now, I probably would have even thought, now what was I going to, it just goes away. It's like this probably was a good thing to do, but that seed just gets snatched away. I want to do one more thing before we move on, and that's to speak to those of you who tend toward perfectionism or ultra planning among us. Pause. You know who you are. Is it, is it you? Is it you? Do you want to tell us about it, or do you want me to go on? Go on. <laughs> so here's what I want to say to you, young lady. No, to, to the rest of us. God does not need a perfect plan to get stuff growing in your life. Sometimes he just needs initiative. Do it right now. Do it as best you can and average, and that's all he needs. If he needed perfection, he wouldn't have invited you. And he wouldn't have invited anybody. Because our best plan ever, and don't be all cranked up over there, buddy. No, I get it. You know what I mean? Because even our best plans have imperfection. There's only one perfect plan and executor 
ever. His name was Jesus Christ. He did it all perfectly on the cross, right? I'm so glad he performed that function perfectly. The rest of us, your willingness to engage oftentimes has more to do with moving forward than the perfection of your plan or blah, blah, blah. And if we don't get started pretty quick, just do, just do something. Do the best you can. For my, like for my friend who wants to be a, a better father, give it your best shot today. So give your kids a hug today. Well, I'm not sure how, you know, should I hug them? Should I hug them hard? Should I hug them soft? Should I, should I kiss them on the cheek when I'm not? Should I, just, I don't know. Just give them a hug. It doesn't have to be a perfect hug. Give them a hug. Well, what about discipline? Well, I don't know. Should I, should I discipline my kids? Like, if I spank my children, like, should I, should I use my hand or should I use a spoon or should we use the stool and just say, here, you sit over there. So we, can, we discipline something. I don't know, but do something. Don't wait till they're 13. Don't do, well, I'm going to read 64 books on how to raise children. You wait till you've read, read 64 books. Your kids will be 13 and they'll be a total mess. You, get, you lost it. Some of you don't like this part of the talk. Look, you can't wait forever to start to raise your children. You got to do as best what God leads you to do then. Don't get paralyzed by fear of making a mistake. You got to do something for discipline and care and love. If you're going to have an awkward, if, you're gonna, if you need to have a, a conversation with your kids about something that feels awkward, I just had one of these with, with one of my kids because uh, my kids are now teenagers growing up, but I still had to have a conversation. And I remember thinking, gosh, this, I don't even know how to do And then, you know what, I thought, well, well, let's give it a shot. And did I do perfectly? Nope, but I did something. You, I'm just not even moving on yet. You think I am, but I'm not. You, average Joe, you guys, us, average, average people. That is all your average plus God's amazing perfection will create victory. Your, does that make sense? All right, I'll go on. Gee whiz, I thought that was really, I thought that was really good. But it was okay. All right. <laughs> hey, okay, I will. Talk about it some more. No, abide in God. You give God 10, if you're, if you're trying to work on relationship with God stuff, give it 20 minutes. Well, I'm not sure what I'll do. Give him something. If you're working on finances, get a, get a, get a job, just a job. Doesn't even have to be a perfect job. Get some income. Start a savings account. Like you think someday I would like to have a bucket of money somewhere in case there's a tragedy, right? Start with 20 bucks. Start a, does that make sense? This is huge stuff, but we'll go on. It's, it's, you have to survive early attack. Second thing is develop some roots, some develop significant roots. This is the seed that falls in the shallow soil, and because it has no root, it lasts only a short time. In verse 6, the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. I began to be critical of this Bible verse. You ever been critical? You ever argued with the Bible? I, I did. The other, I'm like, wait a minute. It, it must have had some root. Like the Bible says it had no root. And I thought, well, it has to have some root. Because if it didn't have any root, then it wouldn't have grown at all. So I started to explore this word. And then the, the definition was really helpful. It's in the Greek, it's that. That's it. <laughs> I'm like, that's not helpful. Just a root. 
So I explored it more, and some translations said because they didn't have deep roots, and there was another part of the a commentator said, this is spoken of one who has but a superficial experience of divine truth and has not permitted it to make its way into the inmost recesses of his soul. I think that whole picture basically challenges us to this, and this has a fill in the blank. Life change requires some depth. You got to have some depth. And if you continue in the thought in the parable, you got to have some depth, some depth because hot, sunny days are going to come. The day when everything just gets hot and if you're not prepared with some foundation and some some depth, you won't make it. So in finances, you're going to get started on a budget, or you've got this job now, you're showing up for a job, all this stuff, and you're going to, I'm going to make progress, and I'm going to be disciplined with my money. And then, because you know what's going to happen, you have this much allotted, allotted for this certain thing. What's going to happen? There's not just going to be a sale. There's going to be a super summer sale. And your app is going to give you an extra 30% off of anything that you and so there's that thing that you want. And you're like, yeah, but you don't have the money for it. It's not in your budget. But you'll begin, like the heat is on, you'll begin to sweat. You're like, I have to buy it. I have to, don't I have to buy it? I have to buy it. But if you don't have some roots, then you'll cave and you'll just do what you've always done and you'll miss out. Some of you completely didn't get that illustration because you're like, yeah, I would just buy it anyway. But that's, forget it. For some of us physically, we're going to eat healthy, whatever, all that stuff. And you're like, man, I'm going to do it. And you're on the, the, the healthy train, and then you're going to go to that house, and then they're going to say, would you like a big stuffed caramel brownie thing with extra browniness? And you're, that, the heat's going to be on. The sun is out. And then they're going to add, like, emotional manipulation. I baked it just because I knew you were coming over. Yeah, it's the, so, you, so you've got to have some roots or you never make it through the hard times. You decide you're going to pray, right? Or, or, you know, in the midst of our, the social unrest, you decide, I'm going to pray more about what's on Facebook than, than just start then dialoguing about this. So you just decide, I'm going to pray about this stuff, right? I'm going to pray for uh, the, and, and what will happen is someone is going to bait you into a conversation when you know God's will is, I'm, I'm supposed to pray more about this instead of argue about it. But then someone's going to say, well, yeah, well, what about this? And the heat's going to be on. If you don't have spiritual roots, you'll, you won't spend your time praying. You'll go let me give you three spiritual root development hints. Think of the area of your life, trying to have a vibrant garden. First one is confession. Say out loud what you know God is trying to do in your life. Say it out loud to somebody, somewhere. Six weeks ago-ish, 
I remember when I actually shared it. I was in a Zoom meeting, and I shared it with, uh, it wasn't even a close friend, but I said, hey, I think God's got me in a season where I am supposed to be and work on being more courageous. It's the first time I said it. It helps me to say it out loud. If you want to explore a Bible verse on the power of the tongue, you can look at James chapter 3, and it compares the, the, the power of confession or our voice, or actually saying it. It compares your tongue to the power in the rudder of a ship. A ship is a huge thing, but it's steered by this, this little rudder. Like it's little, you think, how does that move that whole thing in the direction? And then it goes on to say, that's the way the tongue is. It's just this little part of the body, but it gives direction to our life. Confession. Second thing, accountability. This is, could be similar, but this is a little more strategic. It's when you actually say to another human being, hey, I'm supposed to start having a savings account with money in it. <laughs> so, in two weeks, will you ask me if I've saved anything? And if you find like a legitimate human being who will keep that on their list and will actually do it, it'll help you. Potentially, it'll help you. It's called accountability. It doesn't have to be all that complicated. It's just someone who'll say, hey, you asked me to ask you about whether you're being nice to your wife. You being nice to your wife. Hey, you're, you asked me to ask you whether you're staying holy in your dating relationships. Are you? And when you know somebody's going to ask you, it brings more power to the situation. That's accountability. The, the third uh, thing for root development is resilience. This is just the idea that if you have a bad day, you don't quit tomorrow. You still get up and engage in whatever it is. I know with the courage thing, you guys, I, there's not a doubt in my mind, something, sometime this week or next week, I'm going to wimp out on something. I just know I will. Probably. Maybe I won't, but probably I will. Like God will have me want to go pray for somebody or do a challenging conversation or say something even from up front, and I'll be too scared and I won't do it. But the big, the big question for, for me getting, becoming more courageous is not if I fail, it's when I fail, will I sign up again tomorrow to keep growing? Up on the screen, it'll say spiritual development requires bouncing back. And I'm going to give you one more verse to consider. Oh, oh, hang in there. This verse, if this verse were not in the Bible, I think I would have quit being a, being a Christian. Some of you are like, you can't quit. You're a pastor. I think just my own spiritual life, I've said, and that's not the first time I've said it. I'm so grateful for this section. It's in Romans chapter 7, and the Apostle Paul is giving us a sense he's being vulnerable, vulnerable about his own struggles. And here's what he says. He says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. That's Bible language for, dang it, I did it again. I'm so glad that's in there. Because I feel that way at times. I'm like, shoot, I've been working on this for 23 years you know, or for six weeks or whatever, and then, ah, and then whatever. He goes on to say, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I'm so glad that that's in the Bible, because that gives me hope and us hope. 
At the end of that section in Romans 7, uh, two things happen. Well, one thing doesn't happen. He doesn't get to the end of it and go, and therefore I quit. Because I failed again or because I'm struggling or I can't seem to do what I want to do and this what I hate to do, that's what I ended up doing. He doesn't say, and so, therefore, I quit. What he does is he says, he says, this is an old translation, but he said, who will rescue, this is when I memorized it, who will rescue me from this body of death? It's like, who's going to get me out of this mess? And he says, thanks be to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's gold. When we mess up, and two things will happen. When we mess up, we turn to Jesus. One is he'll acknowledge, yep, that was a fail. But then he'll say, come on, let's keep going. And he'll bring his spirit to give us power. So you have to develop roots. Last thing, don't tune out. We're going to hit this third point. I think it's super culturally relevant right now. We have to overcome debilitating distractions. And the third seed mentions, this is the one among the thorns, and there's plenty in the verse, but I want to focus on, it says, the worries of this life. goes on to talk about it, chokes out. The, the wor- is this not a time, folks at home, is this not a time when it's so easy to get choked out by the worries of this life. Now, I don't want to put this on everybody because maybe, maybe it doesn't apply to you, but for, at least for some of us, the last several weeks, few months, has this not been a real easy time to worry about stuff? COVID-19. How long have we been in this now? Like 18 years? How long has it been? <laughs> three months. Is it just, we're approaching three months, isn't it? So that, that's something to worry about. Because that then, so, oh, wait, I don't want to get sick. Or, oh, wait, I don't want to get other people sick. Or, oh, wait, whoops, my job is changing. Or, whoops, I don't even have a job. Or the economy. So you can, you can fear finances or physical things or relational things. Oh, wait, so my aunt's in the hospital and I want to go visit her. And you can't. Or so-and-so's going to die without a family member next, right? It's, a, it's been a mess. Easy to be worried about that stuff. Is it just me? Is he, right? Easy to be worried about that. Two weeks ago, it feels like, wait, we're starting to make progress. The, you know, the economy's starting to open up. We're actually allowed to say hi to each other. Whatever, you know, it's, so you, we just start that process of getting better. I'm not going to worry about it as much, perhaps. And what happens? The tragic death of George Floyd two weeks ago. Right? I was just starting to feel better about life. Then all this stuff erupts. It's another reason we could worry. Now, I don't know how you're responding to the social unrest and all those things, but I'm going to walk you through, right or wrong, this is Mark's emotional roller coaster of the last two weeks. These are all reasons that I could just spend my life worrying instead of engaging in spiritual things. Can I do a little side note? Some of this has to do with, remember that area of your life that you want to see thrive? If we're not careful, we'll get consumed with tangential things. Is that a word? That's a big word. I just made, is that a word? Tangential? It sounded good. We can, <laughs> sorry, tangential things. And then we won't be cultivating some of the things that God has put in front. Okay, Mark's Emotional Roller Coaster by Mark Pope over the last two weeks. 
two weeks ago, as deep of sadness over the death of George Floyd as I have felt in a long time when I, watched, when I saw the video. I just was sad. I just thought, no, this is not, this is not happening. Like, he's, like, he's not going to keep his knee on the, this is not going to happen. It, this did not happen. Okay, so there was that. So then you just were, I just were, you know, it was anxious. Oh, no. Then the uh, uh, peaceful demonstration. I didn't worry about that much. I thought it's, this, this is just a thing and it's true. And man, every human life matters. And so, but then, you know, when I started to worry again, when the peaceful demonstrations, when, when I don't think it was most people at all, but then you get people that start to go crazy with, the violence, and I'm like, whoa, 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 what are we, we're, don't burn your neighborhood down, this is not, don't do that, that's not, you know, bad. and by the way, I don't know what you think, but I remember I started worrying about that, like, oh, this is not, that's not a good turn for this scenario. Six days ago, I was watching a news clip, and I had this fear, maybe you haven't had this fear or concern, I thought, Every phenomenal police officer we have is going to quit. I didn't. I don't. I remember having just a, like, oh man, if we're not careful, because we have a bunch. We got, I'm sure we've got some bad, some bad police officers. You know, people that right, but bunch of them are needed and we and are doing a great job. And I thought, whoops, this could backfire, and we could just have none. Which that I'm, hey, I'm just sharing my opinion. No police officer, that's a bad scenario. Uh, that's just, that. sorry. Hey, right now, here's you know what I'm worried about right now, in this moment, is there's no way I can walk through this list and not offend somebody. So I'm just worried about, okay, you know what, I'm going to get this email, I'm going to get, because just talking about it, now I'm worried about, you know, that stuff. I So there you go, it's just different things that I could be worried about. Uh, and then this was a sad moment for me. This week I talked to a teenager. I didn't quite relate to the situation, but they said this. I wrote it down. This may have been word for word. They were afraid that if I don't post something, I'll be judged. That was, and this was, they were like, I'm afraid if I don't post. And I had to say, what? No, 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 you don't understand. There is pressure on me if I don't post whatever the expectation for posting was, then, and I remember going, oh gosh, this is the kind, right now, here's the idea. We're sitting in a social setting that if we're not careful, fear, anxiety, worry will choke the life out of us. Now, for some of you, you're fine, but I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff that's, that, that people can get worried. Now, let's transition, right, because we're talking about cultivating what God has to do in our life. First of all, you have to discern, Lord, what are you calling me to do? But then what I want you to do is be cautious and be cautious and remember that the enemy of your soul will just bombard you with countless other things that are not on God's agenda for you and he'll consume you with that and you'll never and you know what your your garden will die 
because we basically spend our time worrying about some things that God has not called us to worry about. Now, you've got to figure out God's will for your life. Is that making any sense? And, <clears throat> now this, this one, I, people might not like this one, but I'm supposed to be courageous, so I'll give it a shot. At least it feels like. At least there's a portion of our culture that is feeding, fretting. They'll just feed whatever you're fretting about. They'll just, they won't let you enjoy. Here's, here's the example. I was surprised at this. Got, I was paying attention to a news story. Here was one of the headlines. It says, unemployment rate drops 13.3% in May, signaling return of U.S. jobs. Did anybody hear that news thing? Okay, so... so the expected May rate was 19% unemployment, and the reality rate was 13%. Basically, it was 6% better than what they expected. Now, this is just dumb me. You know, as I was watching the news story, I thought, cool! 6% more people got to go back to their job than what we thought. Yay! That's the right direction, right? No, it wasn't that I wasn't concerned for the 13, but I'm like, this is a good direction. And you know what I watched for the next four minutes until I shut it off? They gave me every reason why I shouldn't be celebrating the lower numbers. And I just remember thinking, can't we just celebrate something that was good? And basically, I think their answer was, no, you should be afraid. And this is bad. And I... It really made, by the way, I went, I shut it off. And I remember thinking, we just, we're living in a culture, you guys, that, oh, shut up. Here's the idea. No, no, do not encourage me. Here's the point that applies to us today because you have agendas in your life, things you're supposed to be doing, right? Financially, physically, spiritually, emotionally, you're supposed to be taking care of things. Here's, I'm exposing the enemy's plan. And I, so it says, our enemy will keep us emotionally busy so that we have no time for spiritual development. So we'll be worrying about this, taking care of that, we'll do that. And our spiritual life, look back at the parable, we will, it, will, it will choke us out so that the highest spiritual priorities in our life will never get produced. So let's put all three things up on the screen. Survive early enemy attacks, develop significant roots, and overcome debilitating distraction. That stuff will help. Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.